Welcome to the Women Encouraged Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Berendrecht. We are all about growing in Christ and being shaped by His Word, so I'm delighted to share these conversations with Christians who love the Lord, love His Word, and are pursuing a life of faithfulness in Him. I'm praying this episode is a blessing to you and that you'll be encouraged to apply the gospel to this topic and walk faithfully with Jesus Christ. Welcome to the conversation. Welcome to this week's episode, friend. Over the last several weeks, we've covered many matters of the heart. Fearing God, allegiance to Christ, doubt, emotions, diligence, patience, grief, and so much more. This week's episode is very dear to me as we wrap up this series, and I think it's the perfect way to end this particular group of conversations. I'm talking with my dear friend, Lindsay Tollefson, today about patience. You're going to hear from Lindsay about submitting our hearts to the Lord as we wait for Him to work and act on our behalf. She shares with us her story and some of the ways that God's Word corrects our misconceptions about patience. She'll also share with you how His promises encourage us and help us as we encounter different temptations while we're waiting for the Lord. I'm really blessed by what Lindsay has to share today, and it's something that God really used to minister to me. I'm so thankful I get to share this with you, so let's get started right away with my conversation with Lindsay Tollefson. so grateful and excited to have my friend Lindsay Tollefson here at Women Encouraged. Thank you so much for being here, Lindsay. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be on today. I feel like we've known each other for maybe t- over 20 years. I'm it's pretty been sure it's been a over long 20 time. years. I've known you longer than Alex has known you. It's true. Yes. yes. <laughs> and I think we met when we were teenagers. Yes. Yeah. I can't remember what year it was in high school, but I know I went to Portland one year and um, and I met your family over there. Yeah. Yeah. It's been fun to kind of see each other over the years and to catch up from time to time at the summertime when we tend to be down in your neck of the woods and Mm -hmm. hang out with you and your kids and your husband and my husband are friends and it's just such a joy. Yeah, they worked together for a little while a few years ago. Yeah. So this is fun and I love that we're talking about this today because you are somebody that I have been so encouraged by over the years in looking to just how the Lord grows different people in different ways and and develops different fruits of the Spirit. As we were planning this Matters of the Heart series out, when it came to the topic of patience, you're the person that came to mind. (laughs) And I think it was the Lord bringing you to mind like, hey, look at what God has done for Lindsay and in Lindsay's life. And I'm so excited to share this chat with women today, but I want to know if you would first introduce yourself and just give us a little picture of what your life is like, because it's actually quite full. Yeah. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I'm a wife and a mother. That's my main, my main calling. Um, I have three children, ages 10, seven, and five, and um, we live in North Idaho. We just bought an old farmhouse here that we're fixing up. Our kids attend a local private school where I'm going to start teaching this fall. So that'll be another fun and busy addition to my life. Let's see. I love to, I love to write. I published a book a few years ago. And so when I have some free time in between painting walls and cooking meals, I love to sit down and just write about what the Lord is teaching me. And I just find it helps me think clearly. And, and I learn my lessons so much better when I write them down. 
I love that. And you have written actually a lot for Women Encouraged too. You've been one of our regular contributors there, and it's just such a joy to get to link arms with you in that way. And I definitely relate about learning my lessons best when I write them down. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, if God is, if God is putting me through something and he wants me to learn it, then, Mm -hmm. then I should take some notes and I should learn that lesson well. And if I gain any wisdom from it, I would love to be able to pass that on to my own children or to anyone else who can benefit from it. So that motivates me a lot to, to write as I'm, as I'm learning. And most of the time when I'm writing, I'm writing to myself. I'm writing, Mm -hmm. Hey, remember what God taught you. Remember that this is important. And, and then it helps me actually to go back and read a lot of what I've written down. That's such a beautiful perspective on it. And it's so encouraging to me because I typically, well, I have heard in the past, like, don't, don't say anything until you feel like you're all the way through the lesson. I've heard that too. I haven't found that to be necessarily true that I think sometimes my hindsight is a lot cloudier than when I'm right in the middle of it. I'm starting to think about what is God actually doing and what is he teaching me right now rather than waiting till it's all over. I mean, I think you do get both perspectives and both, both are good, but I think it's sometimes so helpful to actually take the time to spend moments reflecting in the middle of the season. And and sure, you might not be able to see the forest for the trees sometimes, but you still need to have that perspective as well. One thing I wrote about in my book was um, preaching the truth to yourself. And Mm -hmm. I went through lots of different Psalms talking about how um, we see David, especially preaching to himself in the Psalms. He's telling his soul and his heart what to believe, what to feel, reminding himself what the truth is. And I think that is so important as we're walking through life to be constantly preaching at ourselves and reminding Mm -hmm. ourselves of the truth. And some people do that in different ways. For me, I process things so well through writing. And so often that's me preaching to myself. And if other people want to read it and come along for the ride, that's great. But but I love, I love that concept of, of being a student of the word and, and preaching it back to ourselves. I love that so much. We're talking today, like I said, about patience and this fruit of the spirit that God works in our hearts a lot of the time, but it's also something we have to practice. It's kind of a both and sort of a thing. We're going to be chatting about submitting our hearts to the Lord. And I'm going to ask you now, to would you please share some of what the Lord has been teaching you about patience and how he's worked in your heart to grow this fruit of the spirit? Yeah, um, I really... I really feel like there's always something in my life that I'm waiting mm-hmm. on God to provide <laughs> and that I'm waiting for him to resolve because life is not perfect. We're in a fallen world and it's that you can always find something that is not perfect in your life that you're waiting for God to resolve. And I think when I was younger, I thought, oh, well, once this gets resolved, I'll feel better <laughs> or whatever. I won't be so sad or whatever. And I have found that there, there's just always something and learning to have a constant spirit of patience and a constant spirit of submission to God's timing is really important. And specifically in my life recently, well, I guess it was about four years ago, I got really sick and mm-hmm. I um, started having all these crazy symptoms. I had constant migraines, constant nausea, extreme fatigue. I could only get out of bed for a couple of hours a day. Yeah. And my kids were really little at that point, And it was very discouraging to be mostly bedridden. And when what I really wanted to be doing was being at the, you know, being a mother, being at the park with them, taking them on adventures. And I went to, I don't even know how many doctors I went to a different doctor every 
month or so, every couple months trying to figure out what was wrong. And they would run tests. And some doctors would say, oh, you, you have nothing wrong with you. Everything looks normal. And some doctors would say, oh, you have a wheat allergy or whatever. So I'd go off of wheat and it wouldn't really help at all. And um, I went through three years of just trying to figure out what, what the problem was um, and learning to just really lean on God during that time and um, trust his story for my life because I didn't know if this was, was going to be something that um, that was going to be permanent. It, yeah, I did. I did find out later. I have an autoimmune disease. It is permanent, but it is I, it is treatable with. I can manage my symptoms, so yeah. it's not something you know that I can get better from. But it is something that I can manage now that we know the problem. But it was yeah. a long time getting there, and and learning to learning to trust God for what He was doing in my. In my own plans, I had a picture of what I wanted life to look like with small children. And I typically, I'm a very energetic person. I like to be super busy. I like to be out doing things all the time with other people. And it was very difficult to slow down and have to accept that God was asking me to live a different kind of life than I wanted to live, that he was asking my children to live a different kind of life than I wanted to give them. And, and to trust that that was the very best thing for our family. And having lived through those years, I can now see that waiting patiently on God and letting him work all these different um, trials in our family, he grew so much fruit in my own children and in me and in my husband. And he changed our perspective on so many things. And now I can see all the fruit. But through the season of hardship, I really had to remember that um, that even though I couldn't see the fruit right now, I had to trust that God was going to bring it and that it was going to have to be a long time because fruit takes a long time to grow. I love that a story. And I'm so thankful for your testimony of patience. It's been an, a huge encouragement to me as I've recovered from a head injury. And yeah, you know what this is like. Yeah. And, and my own like now, I guess we're into three years of battling an autoimmune disease as, as well. And now actually having some answers, like you're saying, like it's manageable. It's not necessarily ideal. And it's been, I was telling one of my friends recently that I think that these trials have taught me more about belonging to the Lord than anything else could, honestly. And when you know that you belong to him, your reliance on him is so much different than when you think, oh, I, I've just got to muster up the strength to battle this on my own, or I just have to endure this and, right. you know, it's the worst thing ever or something like that. But right. when when the Lord reassures you like, no, you're mine and I'm going to carry you through this, it's such a different posture that we take than if we're trying to just plow through, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. and, and when our eyes are on him, it's just, it is such a beautiful and encouraging season, actually, even though you're enduring painful things or really maybe things that cause so much fear. And mm -hmm. when you're, when the Lord is directing our, our eyes back to him, it is such a, a fruitful season, even though we yeah. might not be able to see the fruit right away. Yeah. And I think that's what James 1 is talking about yeah. the whole chapter, but mostly the beginning. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of various time, kinds, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And then 
he talks about how endurance has to work its way out so that we can have, um, so that we can be perfect and holy. And Mm -hmm. thinking about our trials that way, thinking about hardships. And and when I say trials, I just mean anything that, that is hard for you. Something might be hard for me. That's not hard for somebody else. And God knows that God knows what is going to be what is going to be difficult for each of us personally. And he uses those things in order to um, bring about the best fruit in our life. And I think keeping that perspective when you're in a season of hardship is going to give you the, the most patience rather than thinking that you have the ability or thinking that you have the power to, to, to bring this to a resolution, waiting mm-hmm. on God and knowing that he's working something in you during that time, then you can do what James says. You can welcome the trial knowing that that's exactly what your heart needs. Yeah. It's so tempting to think that when we're in the midst of a trial, that nothing else is happening, that the only thing that's happening is the terrible thing that's happening to me. But it's like John Piper says, you know, God may be doing, you know, I don't know how many millions of things or something that he says, but then you're aware of two of them, you know? And of course he is. And, you know, our ways are not God's ways. We don't, mm-hmm. we, the, the wisdom of God is so much higher than anything that we can even comprehend. And, um, and just accepting that I think is so helpful and accepting that we don't know. And, and that's okay. God has us in his hands and he knows he sees the whole, the whole picture. Yeah. So Christian women, I've, I've heard a lot of different perspectives on endurance and patience from, from different Christian women, mm-hmm. but I think there are some common misconceptions that women might have about patience. Um, what are some of those that you've noticed that women think or, or misunderstand about patience and how does God's word correct those misconceptions for us? Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious as to what you've heard, but I'll tell you some things that I've noticed and then maybe you can tell sure. me what you've sure. noticed. <laughs> I I think that sometimes we talk about patience as if it's something that we bring to the table. Like, yes. um, yep. that's it. <laughs> have you heard that? Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> almost like you're bringing a dish to a potluck or something yep. like, well, and here's, here's my here's trial. God. I'm going to give patience, you know, <laughs> yes. but that's not how scripture talks about it. Scripture talks about patience as a fruit. Um, mm. which is something that grows after yes. a long time of planting. After you've planted a seed, you have to wait a long time till the fruit grows. And um, when you plant the seeds of joyful acceptance of a trial, of of contentment, of trust in God's timing and, and trust in his omniscience over everything and him being all powerful over everything, when mm. you believe those things in your heart, patience is what comes out of that. Yes. And I think that that you can apply that to circumstances and also to people because I think there's two types of patients really. There's patients with your circumstances, which is often like like we were just talking about health issues. You mm-hmm. need patients with health issues. Or maybe you need patients with financial issues. Often that's a long game. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but then there's also patients with the people in your life. You know, there's patients with your children and your husband and your in-laws and and everybody that's just in your life, you have to have, have to learn patience for them. And I think that both of those type of patients come as a result of us trusting in God's sovereignty over the circumstances and over the people. Because if we believe that God has them in his hands, like if I'm having difficulty with uh, my teenager, but I believe that God is, is working 
sanctification in that, in my teenager, in that person. And I believe that God is, is working on their heart and he has them exactly where he wants them. I can be patient because I believe that God is the one that is growing them and maturing them and, and convicting them of their sin. And I don't have to be desperate to try and change them. I can't, obviously, as you know, you can counsel people and you can encourage your, your children or your husband or your in-laws or whatever, whatever it is that you need to be patient with. You can offer, you can offer help to them, but that looks really different than being impatient to change them. So knowing that God is telling a story for their life and in your own circumstances gives you the patience to, to joyfully endure things that are difficult. Yes, I think that's so that's so helpful and such a good perspective to take. Did you have something you were adding to that? Sorry. Oh, I did. I just I sorry. No, I just had one other misconception that I just thought of as I was talking is that I I see that a lot of well, maybe I shouldn't say a lot, but I do think that sometimes women can think, well, patience means I don't do anything. Yes. Like, patience with my husband means I just let him be an alcoholic or whatever it is that he's struggling with. I just let him, I just let him dig our family into more and more debt. I let him sin, you know, and Mm -hmm. that's, that's not what patience is. Patience is not doing nothing. We still are called to obey God and we're still called to, well, obviously in a marriage, we're called to encourage one another and we're we are there to to help each other, to be a, especially wives. We're there to be a helper. And it's not helpful to let your husband live in sin. But patience, I think, has a you can still do things with a patient spirit. You can still take action with a patient mm. spirit. Yes. Like going back to my example of when I was struggling with illness, I saw a lot of doctors. And mm-hmm. I do not believe that me seeing doctors and continuing to schedule appointments and continuing to try to find answers was being impatient. But mm-hmm. I could be going to doctors doing the same action in a patient way. Yeah. Going to them and and accepting that maybe this isn't the answer. Maybe this isn't the time that God has decided to offer deliverance. Maybe I need to wait longer on the Lord. And sometimes I think we can look at other people's situations and see them taking action and think they are being impatient mm-hmm. because they're taking action. When patience is more of a heart yeah, attitude. Yeah, I was going to say it's like a heart posture rather than yeah. a, a level of action or inaction. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's so great. I really appreciate that. The things I've observed are maybe the one ditch of inaction or apathy yeah. and then another ditch being that this is all my wonderfulness that I'm bringing to the table. Like I'm so patient and like really God just, I'm offering you something to work with here, you know? And I find there's a lot of temptations to both. I think probably, especially if you're in the middle of the trial, you might be wrestling with like whether you're not doing enough or, um, or doing too little or something like that. Or if, you know, you're not, uh, submitting your heart to the Lord and asking him, how do you want to work patience in me in this season? Like how do, if we come at it, like a, like we are offering so much to the Lord or we're doing, like you said, like that potluck dish, <laughs> like that, yeah. we bring, you know, and we have not really submitted ourselves to him and saying, okay, God, you're obviously going to work something here. What is it going to be? And, and asking him to open your eyes to how he wants you to submit to him or to wait for him. I think that is 
you know, it, we're always going to be tempted <laughs> to. Oh, I think that's such a good point. That's so important that we are asking God to, to give us patience. And scripture talks about God being patient mm. and us asking God saying, Lord, help me to be patient like you is always mm -hmm. a prayer that he loves to answer. He loves it when we ask to be more like his son and he's always yes. there and ready to answer it. And understanding that, where is it? It's in second Peter where, um, second Peter three, nine, where it talks about the Lord is not slack concerning his promises at some count slackness, but is long suffering toward us, not yes. willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And I think about that a lot when I think about being patient with other people, because that is saying that the Lord is patient with people and he is patient with the story of history, even mm -hmm. because he doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants all to come to repentance and, and we should be patient like God. We should realize that this is a long goal. Um, whatever it is that, that we're going through, God has a long goal in mind and we should be praying always, Lord, give me wisdom. How can I be patient like you are patient? Yes. Amen. What are some of the other promises of God that really encourage our hearts to be patient? Yeah, you know, I think just remembering that God has a plan. Jeremiah mm -hmm. 29, 11, it's a favorite verse. You know, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to those who love God. And remembering that he has a plan for you, that he has good things for you, that all of, all of whatever is happening is working out for your good and for his glory. And, and we can rest in, in faith that this is all, this is all for good. This is all to grow something out of us. And I, I should add that I don't think that means that we can never tell God that it is hard. I think yeah. we should be telling God all the time when, when I've been going through seasons of hardship, I remember one thing I try to remember is always to not say anything to other people that I haven't already said to God. Yes. <laughs> and, um, and if I bring my, my discouragement and my frustration to the Lord and I, you know, you see this all the time, David praying, how long, oh Lord, are you going to forget me? How long am I going to be in this hardship? And if I, I should not be talking to other people, complaining about how long things are taking, how hard it is. I should be taking that to God. I should be saying, Lord, you see all of this. You know how hard this is. How long is, how long are you going to leave me here? When are you going to show up and resolve this situation? Because that is us saying that we believe God is good. We believe mm -hmm. his promises. We believe he has a good plan for us. We believe that, that everything that he is doing is working out good for us. And so it's when we pray, Lord, show me the good, bring this to a resolution and show me the good things that are coming out of this, then that's us asking God just to be who he says he is. Yes. And that's showing faith. We are showing faith that God has the character that he says he has, yes. that he's good and that he has a plan and that he's working that plan out for us. It reminds me of that verse in Hebrews where it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God because whoever comes to God must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. 
So I love that. I love the we, last part of that verse and that he's yeah, a rewarder. Of he's a rewarder. That's his character. That's who he is. And that's a character that doesn't change. He doesn't alter based on our circumstances. He is constant and he's faithful in the midst of those trials. Yeah. Yeah. So that. on that note, I want to ask you, I, I think you've given good counsel over the years. I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of excited to hear how you would encourage these situations. These are actual um, questions that we kind of put out. Like, how would you, how would you like to hear from somebody who's going to talk about patience? And these are some of the scenarios that I want to offer just some brief encouragement or advice that you would have for somebody who, first of all, somebody who wants to learn how to wait on the Lord and isn't sure how much action she should take. And you kind of touched on this a little bit ago, but in her words, I want to learn how to wait on the Lord, but does that mean I'm passive or I'm permitted or am I permitted to take action? Does that mean, I then I think she means, does action mean I've stopped being patient? And I think you did answer this, but what, how would you encourage her? Yeah, I would say you don't stop trying. You don't, you, because when you stop trying to, well, I don't know her situation, but when you stop trying to, to find resolution, Mm. then you have started believing that God is not going to show up. Mm. However, (laughs) trying to find resolution can look very different in different circumstances. Um, you know, Peter talks about a wife that's married to an unbelieving husband and, and the best way to win his heart is through quiet, submissive godliness and being an example of godliness to him instead yeah. of bringing him an apologetics textbook and reading it out loud to him. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that that is, I love that, that picture because that actually applies to a lot of different things. Sometimes we trying to resolve something or the best course of action is going to look like quiet, submissive, just doing our duties, just being faithful, but not being pushy. Mm -hmm. So every, every situation is very different, but some general advice that I would give is just be busy, always just doing your duties, do what, what you're called to do. If you're a mother, take care of your children. If you're a wife, cook good meals for your husband. If you um, are employed somewhere, be faithful in that. If you're, if you're sick in bed, listen to your Bible as much as you can pray for people, be faithful where you are and and be busy. Don't sit around feeling sorry for yourself. Cultivate a spirit of contentment right where you are. Maybe you're waiting for, for your financial situation to change. Cultivate a spirit of contentment with, um, with what you have and do the best you can with what you have. Yeah. And and do it joyfully. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean you can't work and you can't look for a job and you can't try to increase your income. It just means that you are doing it joyfully. Yeah. And that is, you know, we mentioned this before, but that's a heart attitude. It's really different than than just desperately trying to do whatever it takes. Um, with uh with a grumpy attitude or with frustration. Right. But yeah, every every situation is very different. One thing I would add to that though, is that as you, as, as you cultivate contentment, as you keep busy doing your job cheerfully, whatever it is, I would say, spend time remembering God's goodness to you in the past. And this is something Mm. again, back to the Psalms that we see all the time in the Psalms is remembering what God has done in the past and then 
telling God, saying to God, look, you delivered me from that thing back there when I was 20. Now I'm waiting on you to deliver me from this because I know that you will. You will do something good with this. I remember that you did something good with that. And that was the big mistake that the Israelites made in the wilderness is they they forgot what God had done for them just in Egypt right before they got to the wilderness. They forgot that he could turn water into blood and that he could turn a stick into a snake. And they were in the yeah. wilderness and they were hungry and they forgot that he can do things like turn stones into bread and yes. he can make bread fall from the sky. And so forgetting what God has done for you, for um, failing to look back on your story and point out all the good things that he has given you and all of the situations that he has already resolved, I think can, can give us a spirit of desperation and frustration and thinking this is just the worst thing that ever happened. But a good exercise is to, um, to, to look back and you can talk about it with other people or you can just pray about it or you can write it down, but recall those good things that he's done. Um, yeah. my, one thing that I do for my children a lot, I have three children and two of them had very high risk uh, pregnancies and births where yeah. um, they almost died. And sometimes my kids will get discouraged. You know, they're still pretty little, but they still get discouraged sometimes. And I'll tell them the story of when they were born. And I'll say, look, God saved your life. That is a, that is a time that he said, I want this person to be alive, to live in this world. And I'll, and I will use that as a way to remind them that God has good things for them and that whatever little struggle they're going through now <laughs> is something that he will bring them through. And it's yeah. something that he will show up and he will, he will save them and deliver them. And they have not yet been through struggles as, as difficult as their births, but, right. <laughs> but to them, to them, it's a big deal. And so yeah. helping them remember those things that those deliverances that God provided in the past really helps yeah put into the perspective whatever is happening in the present that's so good i love that so much actually while you were talking about the the birth story and and just pointing your kids back to what god has done for them we recently went on a, a hiking excursion we had no idea what we were getting into on this hiking excursion and there may have been more than one bad attitude on the way back for sure <laughs> but on the way up um it was particularly frightening at one point. And I just couldn't look back because Alex was carrying our four-year-old Audrey on his shoulders because she had lost her shoes in the mud. They had gotten like sucked down oh, in the mud. I don't no. know if you've ever seen that meme going around, like based on all that my childhood movies, I thought quicksand would be a much bigger part of my life and Heidi <laughs> wait. So yeah, basically she lost her, her sandals were sucked off her feet and and this happened with like multiple children. And so like Alex is carrying Audrey up this steep incline. And at one point I looked back and I, and this was the point I couldn't look back anymore because his body and her on his shoulders would like parallel vertically with the hill. Oh my <laughs> word. I couldn't have I, looked either. I mean, and I was like, I can't look back. I'm just going to trust God. But we got to, we kind of crested the, this steep incline and we sat down and this almost like the last part of this time, our four-year-old's crying the whole time. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. <laughs> and it was just kind of generally terrifying, but we sat down and I pointed to her. I po sorry, pointed out to her 
because we could look down and see kind of the ravine where we had been and the the creek. And I said, like, look all the way down there. That's where we were playing just a few minutes ago. And I said, look where we are now. God brought you all the way here. Do you think he's going to bring you all the way home? And she was like, yes, I do. (laughs) But I thought, you know, I need to remember that too. I need to think, do I believe that the God who has brought me this far is going to stop now? No, of course I'm not going to believe that. I'm going to choose to believe that God who is faithful to bring me this far in my life is going to continue to move me onward towards him and, and towards glory in him. That's a great analogy. And I think sometimes when we have difficult things happen, we can, and then they are resolved and we move on from them. We can sometimes forget that God was the one who resolved that. We can forget that we were in such a desperate situation that there was nothing we could do, that we had done everything we could. And then he showed up and delivered us from that. And remembering that those situations were hard, like with your daughter looking down the ravine and saying, look, that was a really steep climb, but we made it. But remembering that it was steep and looking at how hard it was, I think actually is very helpful because then you realize God did show up. It wasn't me. I didn't do any of it. Right. And there's a way of processing our suffering or our experiences in ways that's like, look how hard it's been for me this whole time. Hard, 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 me, me, me. Yes. But then there's another way of saying, look what God has delivered me from. And that's yes. a completely different perspective that actually moves us forward. Like the perspective that says, me, 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 it's so hard for me, is not the perspective that moves us forward. It keeps us stuck in a mentality of self-empowerment or self-sufficiency. If we are dependent on ourselves to endure something, we actually will fail and we'll be stuck. Yeah. I think that's a really good clarification that um, that it's not about looking back and saying, oh, my life has been so hard. It's looking back and saying, my life has been so hard and I am rejoicing because my life has been hard and I have seen the hand of God through every step of it. Yes, that's so good. Okay, how about counseling somebody who is currently suffering? Um, yeah, I think that I would just, um, I think I would, I would say, keep in mind that God has a plan for you. Keep in mind that he is using this to work good in your life and, and, and look for what you can do mm-hmm. in your circumstances instead of thinking about what you cannot do in your circumstances. Mm-hmm. So if you're having financial trouble, look at what you can do that is free, that it doesn't cost money and really get good at those things and focus on those things and make the most of, of what you have been given. Mm-hmm. And that actually will produce a lot of patience in your life because you will be um, focused on something other than the hardship. I think just focusing on the hardship all the time and talking about it with friends and thinking about it all the time and I made this mistake when I was sick where for um, for a few months, I spent so much time researching, Googling, mm-hmm. reading books, all sorts of things, trying to figure stuff out. And, and I'm not saying that researching is wrong, but it was like every minute that I wasn't doing something else, I was trying to figure this out. Mm-hmm. And I should have been spending more time looking at what um, what productive things can I be doing from the couch? <laughs> you know, I can read a lot to my kids from the couch. That's a very productive thing. So looking at, looking at what things you can, you can do. And, and also, you know, this, this life is just really short. Our life is really short and, and suffering is, 
a temporary thing that is part of this life that we're living. And um, just because you suffer or you're in pain or you're, whatever it is, you don't, that doesn't mean your life is wasted. Right. A life that is, that is full of whether it's heartache or physical pain or whatever suffering it is, that isn't a, a wasted life unless you let it be. You can mm. let it be a wasted life or you can, yeah. you can take the circumstances that you're in and, um, and just do the best you can with them and look for how you can bless others, look for how you can obey God. And that will actually produce patience. I think that going back to the first thing we talked about, just people thinking that they can bring patience to their trial. Um, it's really, patience is really a result of, of handling a trial with wisdom and with joy and with mm -hmm. um, trust in God. That's so good. What about for somebody who's been, this is one that resonates with me really well, somebody who has been waiting for answers to her prayers for a long time, like, it's like yeah. consistently praying, really does cry out to the Lord, mm -hmm. but still waiting. What would you say to her? You just don't stop praying. You never stop. You always keep, keep asking, always keep praying, even if you're praying the same thing all the time. I, uh, I think it's Matthew 15 mm -hmm. is the, um, the story about the woman who comes to Jesus. She's a Gentile woman and she comes to Jesus and asks for healing for her daughter. Yeah. And he says, this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. He says, mm -hmm. I didn't come for you. Basically, I came for the Jews. I came to save God's people. And she says, yes, but even the dogs get the crumbs from under the master's table or from under the table. And basically what she's saying is, I know that I'm not a Jew. I know I'm not one of God's chosen people. I know that I'm nothing, but I know that you are really, really good and you're merciful and you're kind and you're loving. And I know that you cannot say no to me because you love me. Mm. I know that you do. And, yeah. and God, and Jesus turns to her and he says, that is the greatest faith I've seen in this area. And I mm. love that because I think a lot of us can think if I keep asking, if I keep pushing for the same thing over and over again. Maybe God is just saying no, and maybe I just need to accept the no. Right. Um, but God calls it faith to continue to ask for him to be good, to continue to ask yeah. for his goodness, to continue to say, I know that I don't deserve this. I know that I am nothing, but I know that I am in Christ. And in Christ, you can't say no to me because I have Christ intervening. And of course, mm -hmm. God does sometimes say no, but our job while we're waiting for an answer is to continue to ask in faith and to continue to to con continue to plead with God and challenge God to act on his goodness. Oh my goodness, that encourages me so much right now to I want to <laughs> when we're done with this conversation just go and pray about the things that I have been like maybe even stopping praying stopped praying for because well, he didn't answer or something like that yeah. like been years and I, you know, he hasn't yeah. answered favorably mm -hmm. or whatever. Oh, that's so encouraging. You know, and I think, I think also remembering like the verse in second Peter three, that we, to us praying for something for years feels like a long time. And to but the Lord, to it's, God, not. it's not, it's <laughs> yeah. just, he's like, you know, I'm getting to it. <laughs> I, yeah. I have a plan. I'm going to give it to you. Just, yeah. just keep asking. That has been one of those passages that I have really clung to. Like, all yeah. the things that feel really long to me, Lord, they're not long to you. And I'm just going to try to trust your timing on this. Mm -hmm. The other 
passage that I love is the parable of the persistent widow. Mm -hmm. When Jesus tells that story of the widow who's just bugging this unjust judge. And and he says, well, because I neither fear God nor man, but this just simply because she's irritating me, I'm going to give her justice. And I think about how like God is a billion times better than that unjust judge. And God is just. <laughs> yeah, he's just. Yeah. And and it and I'm not irritating him. Like all the characteristics of this unjust judge, God is like the opposite of that. That he that he doesn't give justice to his elect because we're annoying him to death, but right. because he loves us and he is good and he is kind and he's merciful. And how much more is he going to answer us than that unjust judge? Yeah, absolutely. So Lindsay, what kind of temptations do we often face when we're waiting on the Lord? And do you have some ways that scripture really helps equip us to deal with those and to escape those temptations? I think a common temptation that people face with long waiting periods, times when they need to be patient is is discouragement. Mm. And as we get discouraged, we can kind of act like Eve in the garden where we ask questions like, did God really say? Is mm-hmm. God really good? Is he tricking me? Um, does he want me to suffer forever? Is this life, you know, just about suffering? And and we can question God's goodness. And that's really what I mean by acting like Eve. We can question that God does not have our best interest in mind. We can I think some, especially in reformed circles, and I say this as someone who's been reformed for 36 years <laughs> in okay. reformed circles, we can sometimes think, well, you know, it's God's will that I suffer mm. and, and just kind of leave it at that. And, and just assume that, that, um, he is just going to do whatever he wants and, and, and we are not important to him. And mm-hmm. that is yeah. a lie. That is a temptation from Satan. That is a temptation to to believe that God is not good and to believe that he's tricking us. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes we can almost like try to protect ourselves emotionally by acting like, well, we have, you know, if God says no, then it's okay because I've, I've, you know, stopped asking or whatever. I've, I've resolved that this is just, just the way it's going to be. Oh man, I relate to that so much, <laughs> Lindsay. Oh my goodness. Yeah, instead of instead of saying, well, if God says no, he's going to show up and he's going to be my refuge. And I've prayed many times, Lord, if you say no to this, it's going to be super hard and I'm going to need you to be there to hold me up because I've put my hope in you and that means that I am depending on you to answer me. And so if I am disappointed, I'm going to need a really strong refuge and comforter. And I know that that's what you are. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I, that's so good. I think the Lord has led me to pray similarly, but I definitely face that temptation. Like I was saying before, like I just stopped praying for it because yeah. you, it seemed like you were saying no, cause Lord, cause you didn't say anything, but to actually, and I think that's kind of a backhanded way of protecting ourselves because we yes. don't think God is, God is faithful enough to be our oh, refuge. In it's the so true. Yeah. It's so true. And if I think about how many times I resort to self-protection mm-hmm. about, I don't know, a host of different things, I really need to take that to consideration. I am so encouraged by that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know this because I've done the same thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm so thankful that this is something we can like in the midst of talking about patience and suffering and longings that we can actually laugh about it because 
the Lord has been so near to us. Oh, yeah. He's been so good to both of us. Yes. Amen. Have you found any particular resources that that have really encouraged you and grown you in patience? I've, I can think of some that for myself, and I wonder if they're the same for you. We yeah. want to put some of these in our show notes. So would you share some things that have... You know, I think that this is... I'm probably terrible at answering this question because when I'm going through a, a, a personal trial or a specifically hard time in my life, I really s- stop reading a lot of things other than my Bible. Yeah. And I just, I read, read, read my Bible. You know, here in Moscow, we started a Bible reading challenge and I think it's yes. been such a huge blessing to so many people. And I just encourage, you know, if you, if you're not reading your Bible, look up the Bible reading challenge. We, we have a, a wonderful group of women doing it. I think reading the Psalms, reading, mm-hmm. memorizing them, reading them over and over again, praying yeah. them. One thing that I, that I do is when I am looking to God for answers, I try to not allow, I think it's helpful to get wisdom and counsel from mm-hmm. maybe older Christians, people that are wiser, but I try not to allow too much noise into my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I try to really just focus on reading the scriptures and, and filling my, uh, my mind with God's wisdom and rather mm-hmm. than filling it with other people's wisdom. That's so um, good. so, so really that's what I focus on. I don't have good, like any books that I, that I read necessarily, or that I've found to be really helpful. I do love listening to, to podcasts like this and things that, um, that are going to just encourage me to walk faithfully and mm-hmm. keep my eyes on Christ. Yeah. That's so good. Some of the ones I know that have helped me have been Elizabeth Elliot's Suffering is Never for Nothing. Yes. I read that years and years ago, and that I think shaped a lot of just how I thought about life over the last 20 years. Yeah. I've definitely found the Psalms to be my biggest comfort, though. That Mm -hmm. has been really the thing that the Lord has used to uphold me through a lot of different things lately. But um, another thing, have you found that like maybe reading Christian biographies kind of helps to prepare your your mind for different trials? Yeah. Um, I, I do. I, I love reading Christian biographies. I, (laughs) I guess I actually just kind of read them. Yeah. I, I don't necessarily read them when I'm going through something difficult. Just, I I like to have them just going in my life frequently, but those, what is that verse? Sorry. I'm trying to think of that verse where I think it's Paul talks about you have not suffered to the point of death. To the point of shedding blood or something yes. like that. And, and, <laughs> I think that might be in Hebrews, actually. Yes. There we go. I, You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I should have looked it up, but I just thought of it. That verse, I always think whenever I'm reading a Christian biography, especially, you know, someone like like The Hiding Place, like Corey Ten Boom, mm-hmm. I think her story is so much more terrifying than my story. And what mm. she went through is so much harder than anything I've ever been through. And I, it really puts your own trial and perspective to read things like that. And I always think of that verse in Hebrews about, okay, I really need to calm down. <laughs> like, even though this is hard, <laughs> even though this is hard, I have so many comforts and God has given me so many good things. And I have, you know, it's just, I could, I could go on and on just counting all the ways that God gives me good things every day, even in the midst of suffering. Yeah. So good. Well, I've loved having you here and I'm so appreciative of you and just so grateful for your time today. Thanks so much, Lindsay. Thanks for having me. I appreciate what you guys are doing up in Canada and this whole women encouraged ministry has been an encouragement to me. So thank you. Thank you for your work in that. 
Thank you. Well, the last question I ask every guest, you know, what has the Lord been using in your life lately to encourage you in walking yeah. faithfully with him? That's a good question. Um, well, you know, times have been a little weird lately. Everyone seems to be oh, going ever. crazy <laughs> with either being terrified of COVID or being, if you're not scared of COVID, you're scared of the government. Like everybody's scared of something right now. I have found it so helpful just to go back to the basics of what does it mean to live as a Christian. And I've been listening to um, Nancy Wilson just started a podcast called Femina. And she, I sat in on her Bible studies all through high school and college. And she was always such an encouragement to me. Mm -hmm. And I love her perspective because she just talks so simply about how to live as a Christian. And I, as I've been going about my, my daily chores around the house, I've been listening to her podcast and just being reminded that even though everyone is going crazy right now in the world, we as Christians are just, are, are called to be just what we've always called to be. We are called to be lights to the world. We're called to, to follow Christ. We're called to live faithfully and joyfully before him. And our, our calling doesn't change. God doesn't change no matter what the government does. And that's been really encouraging me to just keep my eyes focused on what I always need to be focused on. And life is not any more complicated than it was six months ago because God is the same and I'm in him. Amen. Amen. Thanks, friend. It's been great having you here. Thank you for having me. I'm so thankful that you were able to be here today, friend. You can find us over on Instagram at Women Encouraged and on Facebook at The Women Encouraged page. You'll also find show notes over at women-encouraged.com. I love how Lindsay reminded us today that we can hold on to God's character and promises even in suffering or long periods of waiting. I also really appreciated how she encouraged us to pursue faithfulness in the midst of waiting. When I'm in seasons of waiting that seem prolonged, there are two things that greatly help me. First is remembering that God isn't slow to keep His promises, and I'm not waiting for nothing. When I'm waiting, it's for a purpose, and God is working in the waiting. The second thing that helps me to remain patient is looking at my circumstances with an eternal perspective. One day, all the good longings and the good things we've waited for will be answered and fulfilled in Christ completely. Are you longing for justice? Your God is just, and He will work justice on your behalf. Are you praying for healing and wholeness? Your God is in the business of resurrecting and making whole. Are you hoping for relief from your grief and sorrow? Your God is promised to one day wipe every tear from your eyes. Isaiah 25 tells us, On this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well-refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Sister, behold, this is our God. Wait for him. Be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Thanks again for being here.